What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Not Gonna Lie with your host, Jonathan Terry, presented by Student Union Sports. We've got a loaded show, so let's get into it. Hello again and welcome. As I said, I'm your host, Jonathan Terry, and I will continue to be your host, uh, barring some changes that I can even think of. I don't even know why I'd say something like that. Uh, obviously, love pod- podcasting, love love being able to to uh, sit down for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, two hours sometimes, uh, and, and talk sports, a lot of fun. Just me this week, no guest. Uh, we've got something brewing next week, though, I believe, if all goes right, so we should get back on the guest train uh, and, and continue to stay on that train here in in the next few weeks, in addition to the power rankings. So we're going through eight, I think it's eight to five. Yeah, eight to five, and then four to one, and then we're done. Uh, what a journey, two months almost at this point. Um, but yeah, so we've got some, some good stuff coming, some more interviews, and then we're going after the power rankings stop, we're gonna be going game by game uh, through each division, uh, and, and I'll give my division winners, I'll give my playoff predictions, I'll give all the award stuff. And then, believe it or not, but by the time I finish that, it's going to be football season, which is very, very exciting. But before we get into those power rankings, just a quick update here going around the horn uh, with what's happening in the sports world or what they're hoping to have happen in the sports world. Obviously, the Premier League has started up, Bundesliga is back and, and running the um, Italian league, Serie A, I think is how you pronounce it. They're going. Um, NHL, all signs point to everything being ready to go. But I think I think they were saying late June or something like that, maybe mid-July. Um, but there is a couple hangups here with specifically baseball uh, and one that, that has nothing to do with what the players and owners are saying. Uh, a lot of players have been training at facilities uh, in, in Florida and in Arizona and a lot of players have been, and coaches and training staff, have been um, getting corona, the coronavirus. So now there's a whole nother problem here. Before it was just games and length and how much players are going to be paid. But now we're transitioning into a much bigger issue where basically we're saying, wait a minute, can is it still okay to be even playing these games? Uh, which is just another wrinkle. Um, Rob Manfred, the rumors going around that if they don't have a 2020 season, uh, he could be withholding some of those benefits that they were hoping to introduce uh, until after the 2021 season. And all signs point to, really, it's going to be 60 games. Uh, now we've gotten so close, uh, the players presented a 70-game proposal, the owner shut it down, and you can only really play about 70 games with the time frame they have left. Uh, so you're you're pushing for 60 at this point, and that's what the owners wanted all along. Very, very despicable, annoying, whatever adjective you want to use, um, but unfortunately, that's the way that this business goes. Uh, another big piece of news, the uh, the coach for the Oklahoma State Cowboys, Mike Gundy, came under fire wearing an OAN t-shirt, which is um, a pretty controversial news site. Uh, and and Chuba Hubbard, Chuba Hubbard, something, I, I don't actually know. Uh, sorry, I should know. He's one of the best running backs in college football, spoke out against his coach wearing the shirt and said, look, I'm not, maybe I'm not going to play this year. You know, if he's going to support such a controversial news network. Um, but the feedback was pretty immediate. You know, it was, it was within the next day uh, or even sooner that Mike Gundy released a statement. Um, and so they're moving towards 
uh, you know, there's a lot of progress being made. And I think this is where we start to see a turn in athletes really taking charge for themselves, you know, and, and, and saying, hey, uh, you know, we're the ones that people pay to see, not the coaches, not the administrators, not the staff, whatever the case may be, we're the, we're the spotlight. The spotlight's on us. And why not use uh, our platform to create real and meaningful change? But circling around here, the NFL, same situation, you know, they're monitoring this, the, what's going on. Um, Dak Prescott signed his franchise tender, so he will be under the franchise tag. They still have, uh, I think it's actually four weeks, no, three weeks to the day, just about, uh, that they have to work out a long-term deal. So it'll be very interesting to see if they can put something together there. Um, and then finally, we're rolling around to basketball. Uh, the I think it was a 100-page document was released earlier this week detailing everything the NBA is doing to stay safe. And I think that's really at this point what separates the NBA from a lot of these leagues. The NHL, they're going no matter what. Baseball, they're struggling to work out money. They haven't even considered uh, you know, coronavirus uh, prevention. And the NFL feels like they're just going to truck along regardless. But a 100-page document, and in that, I read it so you don't have to, um, they're wearing smart bands, which basically track their location, their temperature, um, their sleep, everything, basically to figure out the potential, you know, who could be potentially uh, susceptible to the coronavirus. In addition to that, they're going to have a panel of three uh, medical experts that are going to go through each person case by case and see if they've had other illnesses in the past or other situations that may make them more susceptible um, and and. Some players could be withheld from traveling to Florida. They can they can appeal it, um, but if not, then they, they may not be going at all. Um, and then finally, one of the things I thought was really interesting, no doubles ping pong, very important, no doubles ping pong, and they can play cards, but a new deck of cards will be brought in every single time. Uh, and in addition to that, this is actually the last, last thing, players can actually go to the other players' games. So it'll be cool to see um, how they're working and especially how this whole bubble thing works. You know, because I think Disneyland is slated to to open back up mid-July. Um, and how well will they stay quarantined? Um, and the goal is, right when they get there, everyone quarantines for 10 days. Everyone stays in, in their rooms for 10 days. Um, and then players can leave anytime they want to. Just when they, have, when they come back, they have to be um, isolated for 10 games or 10 days. So that'll be interesting to watch, uh, see how many guys can can stay healthy how many guys are going to be allowed to go if there are any situations that that prevent that um but yeah that's that's kind of what's going on around in the news um a lot of talk uh, just a lot of talk right not a lot of games being played i think the pga tour nascar they're going but no offense to those fans but you don't really come on this podcast to hear or listen to this podcast to hear that kind of information but anyways let's get into it part seven of the nfl power rankings we're starting with team number eight and that is the Buffalo Bills. Now, this is their time. The AFC East is theirs for the taking. There's no more excuses, no more ways to get out of it. The Patriots lost Tom Brady, right? And they're going to be struggling. The Dolphins, rebuilds don't happen overnight. And the Jets, I mean, the Jets are a mess. Plain and simple. Uh, it, it, there's not a lot going on there. There's a reason why they're they're deep down in the power rankings. Um, but so far this offseason, they've done a really good job of addressing needs um, adding Stefan Diggs in the trade with the Vikings. They also signed Mario Addison and Josh Norman. Uh, that combated the loss of Shaq Lawson, the Mario Addison signing, uh, and they let Frank Gore go, which I think are all solid moves. You know, uh, Addison has had potential um, and could really shine, but in the draft, I think is really where they they excelled. 
uh, AJ Epinesa, Zach Moss, Jake Fromm. Now, Jake Fromm, we know has been under fire a little bit recently for some text messages that he sent. Um, but, you know, obviously everything that they've seen so far points to hopefully, uh, you know, that being just a, a lapse in judgment, uh, which we're all, we're all susceptible to at times, you know, and it's important how we uh, address it and, and move on with it, you know. So I think he did a really good job of apologizing. Um, but, you know, time will tell. And that's, that's kind of the bottom line here. But the rest of the moves, Frank Gore uh, is gone. Zach Moss is a young Frank Gore. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, I think it's really great what they did, getting filling a piece, a younger piece, uh, with a guy like that at Utah. I mean, I watched him play numerous times. Pac-12 guy. Uh, really good speed for someone his size. Very interesting to see how he moves on the field. Um, and then A.J. Epinesa, who basically his big thing was he was very talented, but it's like, where are we going to put him? Does he play defensive end? Well, he's kind of slow, but is he big enough to play defensive tackle? That allowed him to slip a little bit, and the Bills were able to come through with a class that's really good, considering they didn't even have their first-round pick. Uh, so so really good offseason moves. I think they're ready to build. Um, but the bottom line is Josh Allen's got to perform, right? Uh, he's He's been a viable fantasy option. I've talked about him numerous times on this podcast because uh, he's able to make plays with his legs, with his cannon of an arm. But accuracy is a big deal for him. And right now there are no more excuses. He's developed into a, into a good quarterback. He led his team to the playoffs, almost won a game barring uh, a terrible collapse uh, and an overtime loss to the Texans. But now is the time. The defense is there. Sean McDermott's a great coach. He's got a solid running game. Every hole that needs to be filled is filled. They're just very young. you know. And, and eight is not a bad spot for them to end up uh, on this list. But I got to hand it to him. Sean McDermott, very, very underrated as a coach. I mean, he should have been in contention for coach of the year. I don't know why he wasn't talked about more. What he was able to do with this roster, he's a calming presence. You don't hear a lot of trouble. Uh, you don't hear a lot of noise from guys out of Buffalo. They've got a fantastic fan base and obviously a fan base that wants to win. And Sean McDermott has has proved to be calm, cool, and collected. Uh, he's a great locker room presence. He feels like a very good players coach at this point. Uh, and I got to think he's in the running for coach of the year, especially if they can they can push for you know, 10, 11, 12 wins. He's got to be at least talked about at this point. Um yeah, and, and finally, I think the big thing is Devin Singletary. We were thinking, man, this guy's really going to do it. He's a solid piece um, uh, in, the, in the run game. Obviously, they, they didn't use him a ton. They used Frank Gore a little too much, in my opinion. But is Zach Moss going to just take over that same role for Frank Gore? Or are we going to see maybe an improved uh, workload from Devin Singletary? Uh, and then what does that mean for Zach Moss? Obviously, you, you get a guy in the top four rounds. You expect him to produce right away especially at the running back position because, you know, the, the way that we've worked committees now, it's it's just the way to go. So that's the big thing. What will Zach Moss's role be? Uh, can they win the AFC East? They have to. That's not a, that shouldn't have been formed as a question. They have to win the AFC East this year. Uh, and, and Sean McDermott is a really good coach. Take notice of these bills. If Josh Allen can get it figured out, uh, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they're here at the, at the top of the AFC. They've got the defense to do it, the run game. A lot of it's on Josh Allen's shoulders, but I feel like he's been able to get by with his legs enough uh, that, that he could surprise a lot of people. Now, here we go at seven. This is going to be one that a lot of people have been listening in for. Uh, it's the Seattle Seahawks. So in the offseason, they added Bruce Irvin again. 
signed Philip Dorsett from the Patriots, uh, and added Greg Olson. They lost maybe Jadavian Clowney, not sure right now, uh, George Fant and Jermaine Fetty. Uh, and in the draft, they picked up Jordan Brooks, Darrell Taylor, and Damian Lewis. So let's break this down here. The O-line, they lost two depth pieces. I'm not going to say these guys were stars, but the offensive line was a problem, not in a good way this past season and for the past four or five seasons. Russell Wilson has been running for his life. In fact, he's been cutting weight. That's his, been his whole plan this offseason is to cut weight just so he's able to scramble and be more agile in the pocket because he knows he's not going to get the necessary time that he needs to create plays. Um, they didn't really do a great job of signing key guys. I know there were a few out there. Uh, Connor McGovern is one I can I can think of right away. Um, that could be uh, strong pieces. And so then you say, all right, we're not going to sign in free agency. And then your first three draft picks aren't on offensive line. Basically, your worst positional group. Uh, I've seen the dangers of this before. And Russell Wilson is an anomaly in the fact that he's never gotten injured. But when you rely too much on what your quarterback can do and say, ah, it doesn't matter who we put behind him, he'll lead us to an 11-5 and season. I mean, in my case, as a fan, putting on the fan perspective here, that guy will get hurt. And in some rare cases, my case, that guy will retire, right? Russell Wilson is in that elite group of quarterback play that can change a franchise, right? His play by himself, you feed him with decent pieces, he's going to win you games on his own, right? And that's a rare group. Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Andrew Luck, Tom Brady, uh, you know, Andrew Luck, obviously, when he was still playing, um, Deshaun Watson, I put him in that conversation too. Uh, you know, those guys are really good, but you've seen it before. Andrew Luck did it. They're doing it with Deshaun Watson now, it feels like. If you don't give them the proper offensive line help, they're going to struggle. And and Deshaun Watson, that's a whole another story. Does he leave in the offseason? Um, or does he leave when his contract's up? Does he try and find a team that doesn't trade away his best players or doesn't overpay other positions? $4 million above their average highest salary the year before and Laramie Tunzel with that that deal for his left tackle. Um, but they've got to do a better job of protecting him, plain and simple. That's really it's really what it is. Uh, but in addition to that, you know, speaking of lack of overall depth, let me run you some numbers here of this past season. 26th in yards per game, 27th against the pass, 22nd against the run, tied for 30th in yards per, per play, 29th in sacks, 22nd in points per game, all on the defense. And now you're letting your best defender walk in Jadavian Clowney. What are you going to do? Bobby Wagner's great. Jerron Reed is great. Quandre Diggs, solid player. Outside of that, it's kind of a mess. It is not good in the slightest, right? And, and, and now we're going into a situation where poor offensive line, poorer defense, Okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to keep the ball in Russell Wilson's hands, keep Russell Wilson upright? Uh, there are more problems, I think, than many people realize with the Seahawks. Um, and, and the final thing is questionable draft picks, right? I'm no expert in the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round of the draft, right? I've got a decent handle on the first round, but I'm still not an expert there. So you don't believe, you know, don't believe me when I when I say I didn't like their picks. That's fine. I understand. I wouldn't believe me either. 
but just going off of what McShay and Kuiper ranked their first two draft picks, their first round and second round selection, you have Jordan Brooks uh, for McShay was ranked 92nd. They got him in the first round. Darrell Taylor, 70th, got him in the second, which is a little better. Uh, Jordan Brooks for Mel Kuiper, 32nd, which is good. Good, good, good work there. But Darrell Taylor, their second round, second round pick, 185th ranked player by Mel Kuyper. Uh, and, and I'm not here to say that, look, I, I know the Seahawks draft really well outside of the first round, I think is, is basically their, their kryptonite. Uh, they've done extremely well at finding talent. Russell Wilson's a great example of that. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you want to get guys that are in a position to succeed. I'm not saying their careers are going to be bad or they're going to suck, but initially, uh, it's not a good look. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm getting at from this point. But here's the thing. You look at the receiving core. Uh, great. Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf on a fly. Fantastic. Uh, Greg Olson just signed him. He'll be a key piece. Luke Wilson, when he gets healthy, uh, I mean, Chris Carson and, and, uh, I think they have Marshall Lynch back. Not sure about that. Um, but, but Chris Carson is a solid running back, has some running, uh, some fumbling issues, but outside of that is, is been a really key piece to the Seahawks and Rashad Penny too, of course. Um, so they're not, they're not bad per se, uh, because they have Russell Wilson, right? But everything outside of, you take away the quarterback, uh, and, and we just do like a random shuffle of quarterbacks, you know, Andy Dalton's not going to take this team to the playoffs, okay? Plain and simple. Uh, there's about five quarterbacks in my mind who could take them to the playoffs. Luckily, Russell Wilson is one of them. Luckily, Russell Wilson is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But, you know, y- you'll, you you never know a good thing till it's gone. Uh, and Seahawks fans are going to be in for a rude awakening if something happens to Russell Wilson. They're going to realize, wait a minute, we have no defense, we have no offensive line, uh, and we've got some decent, decent running backs and some really good receivers, but if we don't have anyone to throw him the ball, we're kind of toast. So that's it for the Seahawks. I know that was a big one. Obviously has to be. Um, I am not optimistic uh, for the rest of the team, but obviously Russell Wilson is really, really good. Uh, spoiler alert, I've got him winning MVP this year because they're going to win double-digit games, and everyone's going to say there's no way they could have done this if it wasn't for Russell Wilson, and he'll finally get uh, what he he deserves. Um, yeah, so number seven, Seattle Seahawks. And number six, the Tampa Bay Bucks. Obviously, some of their ads, pretty good. Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, and then Joe Haig just had, you know, rule of thirds there. Uh, losses quite a bit. Jameis Winston, Carl Nassib, Rashad Perryman, Peyton Barber. Uh, and in the draft, fantastic draft in my opinion, Tristan Wirfs. Antoine Winfield Jr., Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, here's the thing. You all know I love Jameis Winston. Not a secret. Not in the slightest. We've had Jameis one of one on here before talking about it. I've mentioned it nearly every week of the football season. Um, and and here's the thing that, that gets difficult with losing a guy like Jameis Winston and signing Tom Brady as his replacement. Youth, right off the bat. And that's, and that's going to be my first point here. Jameis Winston would have had more time to grow and develop with this team who, in my opinion, take away quarterback, this is not a Super Bowl roster, right? They're good. They're really good. we got a lot of talent. Defense played really well, maybe even overachieved last year. A wide receiver duo, probably best in the league. I don't think that's an argument either. Um, and, and then 
you know they've they've got some work to do in, in the run game and the offensive line, which they they helped and they they fixed. Um, but now signing Tom Brady, you took the pressure on this team from maybe like a five or a six out of ten to nine or ten out of ten. Right? Tom Brady's got probably two good years in him, barring some sort of injury. Okay, and and now you're taking the pressure of this team. Uh, and putting guys who haven't even played in a playoff game yet under immense amounts of pressure. I mean, just off the top of my head, last time something like that happened, the Cleveland Browns last year, didn't turn out too well, right? And obviously, I've got them at six. So I'm not saying that that they're not gonna um, they're not gonna do well and be a good regular season team. But here's the deal, plain and simple, you've got two years of Tom Brady. And then what? Are you just going to sign Jameis Winston back and hope he plays for you again? Are you going to draft a quarterback in the next two years? People, the outside fan, like, and even it feels like some general managers and coaches don't understand how hard it is to find a good quarterback in the NFL. And now I understand there have been a lot of starting talent over the past hmm, four or five years, right? This is the golden age of quarterbacks, I, I feel like, you know, like in the past few years, like in the guys that are under 32 years old, because, you know, primes go all the way to 40 now. You've got guys like Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Drew Locke, Kyler Murray. Um, those are five. Deshaun Watson off the top of my head here. I'm just just trying to roll through. Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott, uh, even in the draft this year, Tua, Joe Burrow, um, there's a lot of talent and a lot of potential to be really special, but at the same time, nothing is guaranteed, right? I do think we went through a little bit of a dry patch, um, especially at quarterback, and it was, uh, I mean, the well was just all about used up. Every quarterback in the early uh, or the late 2000s, early 2010s was struggling to make a mark outside of, you know, like Matt Ryan, uh, Matthew Stafford, Cam Newton, guys like that, but uh, there are a lot of superstars now, and some of the best players in the NFL at the quarterback position are under the age of 25. But all that being said, it's still not easy, right? I mean, Patrick Mahomes was gone by the 12th pick. Drew Locke didn't last out of the second round. Lamar Jackson was picked up in the first round. Like, you're having to go and get these guys. Kyler Murray was the first overall pick, Baker Mayfield. Um, you can't just sit around and hope and cross your fingers that a quarterback drops to you, um, you know, like a Russell Wilson or even Kirk Cousins or Gardner Minshew. Um, so what's the game plan? That's my big question here. Um, and falls into it, you know, was getting rid of Jameis worth it? Was being Super Bowl or bust, being a talk of the town for a year, worth it to potentially risk giving up future success? You know, you basically went all in on your chips for two good years, uh, and in turn are you know betting your future on on what the uh, what the team's going to do. So at this point, you know running game we talked about it. Keyshawn Vaughn, Ronald Jones, are they enough to carry the load? I mean the the Patriots were notorious and were really good at using running backs in their system. Um, you know what is Bruce Arians going to do? He runs a little four verts offense. Um, and obviously it's going to change because Tom Brady, there's no way Tom Brady's throwing the ball as deep and as often as Jameis Winston. I mean, it's just plain and simple. But they're going to work a lot. I think, I, I really think Chris Godwin's going to turn into 
somewhat of a Julian Edelman for Tom Brady. Uh, and obviously Gronk has been a safety net for a number of years. Um, but yeah, that's that's the game plan there, I think. But as far as run game goes, Keyshawn Vaughn um, is, is going to be a guy that you really have to to figure out and, and, and hope that, uh, that, that he'll turn out to be something special. Ronald Jones, obviously, um, hasn't had the most success, but he was also paired with Peyton Barber, who isn't really too good either. So they can figure out a good system, uh, hopefully all good things. Um, the offensive line, talked about it a little bit. Struggled last year, did a, did a decent job, I believe, in protecting Jameis Winston this past year. But, I mean, Jameis Winston's a big dude, plain and simple. He can take a lot of hits. Tom Brady... 40-plus cannot do that. Uh, so what's the game plan here? I know they got Tristan worse, but is it good enough to protect Tom Brady? You know, this is a different level here. Um, and and finally, I know I, I you know the defense was really good. They lost Carl Nassib, who was a big piece. Uh, I think he hit double-digit sacks, but are we going to see the same level of production from Shaq Barrett um, this next year? And he was kind of the cornerstone of that defense um, they they got Antoine Winfield Jr., who I love. I think he's a fantastic pick. Um, but there's not a lot of playmakers on this defense. It's it's pretty weak in terms of of, of star talent. Um, and that that's really it for the Bucs. I mean, they cashed in all their chips, going for a Super Bowl. Will it pay off? I have no idea. Really, I genuinely don't know. You know, I could see them working something out because Tom Brady is one of the best quarterbacks of all time. But at the same time, on the same wavelength, all it takes is one wrong hit, one wrong move, he's out, and then what, Blaine Gabbert, right? Come on, not likely. The the It's predicated on a lot of what-ifs, um, and a healthy Tom Brady, they're going to be they're gonna be one of the best teams in the NFL and a team to beat in the playoffs because they will have experience at the quarterback position. But right now, at this point, there are too many variables to put them into my top five, uh, which leads me to the beginning of my top five, the final final team uh, of this podcast before we get into the grand finale next week. Number five, the Dallas Cowboys. Now, they were busy this offseason, uh, both people coming and going. Uh, they added Andy Dalton, Dontari Poe, Gerald McCoy, HaHa Clinton Dix, and Greg Zuerlein. They lost Robert Quinn, Randall Cobb, Byron Jones, and Jason Witten. Uh, and in the draft, they had one of the better drafts, in my opinion, CeeDee Lamb, Trevon Diggs, cousin of Stephon Diggs, um, Neville Gallimore, and Bradley and I. So let's get into it here right off the bat. My biggest concern is defense, right? Robert Quinn, double-digit sack leader, went to, or double-digit sack guy, uh, went to the Chicago Bears. Key piece on that defensive line, someone who's going to be tough to replace. Uh, and newsflash, Alden Smith isn't going to replace him. Uh, Byron Jones is one of the more underrated corners in the league, and he's going to have a very good home with the Dolphins. Um, You know, I I think you look at, we talk about it all the time on the podcast, box score scouting, extremely dangerous. Well, one of the easiest ways to box score scout him is say, well, yeah, he hasn't gotten a lot of interception the past few years. Yeah, but on the same wavelength, man coverage, he's one of the best in the NFL. I'm not talking about like, you know, top 30, like top five man corner, um, which is which is a great get for the Cowboys or for the Dolphins, but a massive loss for the Cowboys. Um, you know, I think they got some really good pieces here. CeeDee Lambs, obviously, they've, they are now the best wide receiver trio in the NFL. And I think that's 
Same with the duo argument. Like it's not even a conversation. Uh, it's just pretty much a fact at this point. Trevon Diggs uh, is going to have to play that 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 uh, Byron Jones role in a sense, or at least work his way into it. Um, but he's a first round talent or a late first round talent that they got in the second round. Neville Gallimore is going to provide relief for Jail McCoy and Dontari Poe, uh, and Bradley and I, who I think, given the opportunity, is the best bet to replace Robert Quinn. Uh, I think they're going to use him well, hopefully, uh, alongside Demarcus Lawrence, and that's a really good group. Um, you know, at their peaks, that would be one of the, the best defensive fronts in football. But age is an issue for these guys, right? And and that's no secret. But let's get into some of their problems here. Dak Prescott, big contract situation. Um, you know, do they get him locked up to a long-term deal? I say right now, you got to pay him before Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson get their money. Because I'm not saying that he's going to get their level because he's not and he doesn't deserve it. But let's say, you know, Patrick Mahomes, because right now the quarterback market is for him going to be 35 million i think that's what dak is worth he should sign a three-year deal 35 million uh and be done with it if it was if it was up to me and i was the one signed the checks which i'm not but let's say a guy like patrick mahomes comes along and resets the entire quarterback market and just for giggles let's say 45 million okay now we've got a basis because patrick mahomes mvp uh super bowl champion not dak's not worth 45 million but since the market is so high now, he's probably worth five million less than Dak or less than Mahomes. So that price continues to increase, uh, and there's a new revenue uh, rev- or a new CBA coming along, a new TV deal. I think is actually what it is, uh, and that's going to lead to an increase in salary just because more money is going to be coming in. I mean, football is a, a fun sport to watch, so people are going to want to do it. Uh, so they really have to figure out this Dak situation, or else they're going to be, I believe, in a lot of trouble. Um, and then Mike McCarthy. All right. It was Jason Garrett's fault all last year, uh, even though the Cowboys put up double, double or single-digit points in four different games, but it was all Jason Garrett's fault. Yeah, I don't know if I believe that entirely. Um, I mean, yeah, I've got them five, so obviously I, I like the team they have built. But you're going to see this year, the Cowboys weren't this perfect Super Bowl-ready team last year like people were saying. You know, like they've got their flaws and they've got their kinks that they have to work out. Um, and Mike McCarthy's not going to solve all the problems. In fact, it could turn people against Dak Prescott. And I'm very pro player. I mean, Dak's got to go get that money. Um, but in this league, it's all about salary cap gymnastics, right? How good could Andy Dalton do at the quarterback position? I think he could do decent for a year or two. Not going to be the long-term answer. Um, but Jerry Jones has to be smart. And we've talked about this. Jerry Jones paid a lot of guys that maybe didn't deserve as much money as he paid them. Um, and and now he's getting cold feet on the most important position on the most talked about team in the NFL. Not a good look. I mean, I don't think you could call Jerry Jones a lot of things, but I don't think cheap is one of them. And right now he's coming across as extremely cheap. Um, but yeah, that's that's really that's really the bottom line. They gotta figure they gotta figure that out. Um, and and Mike McCarthy there's going to be some issues. I'm just saying it's not going to be smooth sailing. Um, but as far as talent goes there, I'd be hard pressed to find a better roster than, uh, than the Dallas Cowboys, but it's got to gel. It's got to come together. Um, yeah. And, and talked about wide receiver trios. Um, but here's the big question. And I alluded to this just a, a minute ago or so, but 
how many games could Andy Dalton win this year? Um, and so obviously this isn't going to be my solid prediction for the Cowboys, but it's somewhere close to what Dak would win. That's I, Andy Dalton's a good quarterback. He was struggle. He was he was uh, put together with some really tough talent. Uh, not a lot of of excitement. Not a lot of belief in him. Offensive line was terrible. Defense was terrible. He had Joe Mixon. AJ Green didn't want to play, and now he's going to go to a team who's got ballers at every spot on the offensive side. Um, you know, three great wide receivers. Blake Jarwin's a great tight end one of the best running backs in the NFL, and Zeke, uh, and that offensive line, which is, you know, top three, no question. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, with with them. But if it comes to it, Andy Dalton could win nine or ten games, maybe even 11. Um, but I really hope Dak gets his money, you know, somewhere. Around, I, I think it's going to be around 35, 36 million unless Mahomes or Watson signs, then that, that number could go way up or he just goes unsigned. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for this week. Thank you all so much for listening. Next week, hopefully we'll get some guests on. We're going to finish the NFL Power Rankings and then the week after that, cracking into some standings. Uh, I'm very excited. I, I got my Excel spreadsheet out. I was going game by game right when the schedule was released. Uh, so I'm excited to share with you guys what I've put together and I'm excited for sports to come back. So thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you next week.